Hello, everybody, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori. I'm Anna Redberg. And today we are reviewing the Nora Ephron seminal romantic comedy. Comedy? You know, it's it's hard in the wintertime. Yeah. It's very nasally. Yeah, yeah. That was me legitimately trying to say comedy. But as I say, it's just like comedy because my <laughs> nose is, you know, yep. it's completely stuffed. Yep. When Harry Met Sally. That's right. And this is a case, if I may, of a one-hit wonder in my mind. Of You mean Nora Ephron? Yes. Mm. So When Harry Met Sally, I think, is a great film. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And watching it now, I mean, I, I don't know when the first time I saw it was, but probably sometime near when it came like out. In the, in the 90s or something. Um, yeah. Is is it a yeah? I don't know when is it eight, late eighties or early nineties. Well, I'm just saying when you saw it was I, yeah. Like what is the year? 1989. Yeah, I had a feeling. So you know, I probably saw it around 1989. I don't think I saw it in a theater, but I may have. I don't remember. And it was absolutely fantastic. You know, it was it was really unique at the time. Mm-hmm. It was not something that you really would have seen anything like. I mean, in some ways it feels like sort of the quintessential rom-com. Like it it defined a a genre kind of like that would come after. It didn't. And I guess I would say that is why uh, it's so seminal in a way is because nobody ever made another rom-com like this. So I don't think it defined anything. It was more like this was an honest movie. Like it was an actual movie that's good as a movie. And the things that, you know, you normally think of as romantic comedies are not really like this. No. They don't have very much content in them usually, for lack of a better word. You know, you're, it's usually mostly just kind of a little shell that they kind of stuck pieces together. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not something that you really watch in earnest, a rom-com, Right. You go there in, for in this in the same way that a a vapid action movie, you're going there for like some explosions and people jumping out of you know helicopters and stuff like this. In a rom com, you're going for certain things yeah. that are like this is what's in a rom com. When Harry Met Sally is really not that. It's very different than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, the only reason it feels like a rom com is the ending is a little cheesy in that way. Um, but most of the rest of the movie just isn't like that. I mean, I think it's just the, the the difference is that it's just genuinely really funny. The writing is extremely clever. And it's also just it, it manages to talk about something about human relationships that is true on a deeper level, maybe. So I would say that, you know, let me just finish my thought from before. So mm-hmm. the one hit wonder part is just like everything that happened after this with Nora Ephron was terrible. Sleep is in Seattle was awful. You've Got Mail was awful. They're all, they they are rom-coms. Like, she basically made what I would consider fairly trashy films after this that were just kind of like exactly what you would expect. But this film was not. Now, I don't know if that's because it was a collaboration. She did not direct this. Rob Reiner directed it. I doubt it because um, it's, it's not like the directing makes a huge difference here. I don't know. Directors can have a massive effect on screenplays. Sometimes for the worse, right? But they can also have a lot of effect for the better. Rob Reiner is also a very, like, authorial kind of guy. 
like I mean, he did a lot of work on Spinal Tap uh, when he was directing that, for example, where, you know, he he does have ideas. He's not a director who just shows up mm-hmm. and literally just directs script and goes home. Mm-hmm. Right. It was also his studio. It's Castle Rock. So he had a lot of control over it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it, this was more of a collaboration, for example, and that's why this one was better or possibly more likely if this was more autobiographical in some way like this was her first big screenplay that she wrote and maybe it's drawing more from things that really happened to her or it's one of those cases of like if it's really your first big project you know maybe you're you're putting all of your best ideas into that thing well, like I said, like it, it could be more drawn from real things. Yeah. She drew on experiences she actually had, and then for later ones, they were more mm-hmm. fictional, and it shows. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, well, it could just be the characters in this one are are just better. Like they're they're more interesting. They're funnier. I, I don't know. Yeah, I actually haven't seen a ton of her other. I, th- I think I've seen Sleepless in Seattle, but it was so forgettable that I just don't remember it. And I haven't seen her other her I other saw th- her next two specifically because when Harry Met Sally was so good, I was like, oh, like these are going to be like good, like real movies that I want to actually go see. Um, and they weren't, right? Uh, and so to me, there's rather obvious differences. And I think that the easiest one to really pinpoint in this film is that actual romantic relationships uh, or relationships between people in general are often very awkward. There's a lot of quirks and rough edges about how people interact. Mm -hmm. And they're not very easy to convey because they're strange and complicated and they don't really like work that well descriptively like it's hard to describe what all those things are yeah to me the thing that sets when harry met sally apart a from most rom-coms in general but also from her later work is none of her later work captures any of that whereas when harry met sally captures it in almost every scene almost every scene of when harry met sally captures something awkward and difficult about the way two people interact Mm mm-hmm even not Harry and Sally, everybody, every even like like Sally's uh, first boyfriend yeah. Joe, for yes, example. Yes, their interaction feels really kind of genuine, and you know that didn't have to happen. But you could sort of tell like what kind of person he was and how he didn't really want to answer a question. Like it was just like they captured a lot of internal monologue going on without you hearing it basically, is yeah. the way I could say it, with all of these characters. Yes. Well, and, and it also does a nice job of not... Because I think a lot of rom-coms, especially later on, tend to fall into the sort of, like, almost Disney-style thing of, like, really romanticizing romantic relationships in this way. Yes. Uh, where I think this movie is so good because it, as you were saying, it captures sort of the messiness or just the the trueness of of, like, how real relationships are... Not so straightforward. And also the way that people overcomplicate and overthink things. Like, I mean, I think that's one of the great things about Harry and Sally's relationship is like from the very start, they have great chemistry and they become friends. And, you know, that's the struggle throughout the whole movie, right? Is that they're friends 
and they really should be in a relationship, but they both have these like blocks in their head. I think about what they think a relationship is supposed to be. And it kind of just interferes with their actual relationship, which is very good, right? Because they have these things in their head that are blocking them, right? These ideas. It, well, I might add, or not. I mean, I think they it may not be because they have blocks in their head. And that's one of the things that I really yeah, like I, about this movie is that it feels like a real couple. Yes, it feels yeah. like the things that happen to them are both believable and make no sense. That's how real people's relationships feel. Yeah, because I was to thinking me, about a lot of times. No, totally. Because right? I was thinking about that actually, where I'm like, it's actually unclear a lot of the time why they do and think certain things, um, because they don't even understand why they do or think certain things, right? Like, so after they they end up sleeping together, sort of the reaction that Harry has is very strange. But makes sense. And it's he doesn't really understand why he feels that way. And she doesn't really understand why he feels that way. And it takes like a really long time for him to process it. And even at the end, he probably doesn't really understand yeah. completely like why he had that reaction to it. Um, it's just it that that's like that messiness is really good where it's not clear cut. You don't even understand because they don't understand because nobody understands. <laughs> that is what I think is so great about this yeah. movie is that it doesn't try to over explain things and it doesn't try to make them line up in some really great way. Yeah. It just kind of like says, here's here's a bunch of things that happen to these two characters that happen to get married in the end. Mm-hmm. But that's not really that necessary if you just didn't have the last 10 minutes of this movie it would still be a great movie just be a different kind of movie Mm -hmm. right because all these interactions are interesting and they all feel legitimate even though you can't necessarily psychoanalyze them down to like well x did this because of y and right well i think i I like it better that way i think that kind of psychoanalysis is ultimately kind of wrong anyway right because i think i think there's like a human desire to be able to pinpoint every reason for every emotion right yes and, and I every think... every reason for every behavior and that's ultimately just as like a doomed task right like you, you're you're never going to be able to know exactly why you or anyone else does a particular thing like as much as we want to be able to say oh i know why i would do that it's like that's not how brains work right we're yes. these like messy animals with lots of like chemicals and stuff going on and inter- interpersonal relationships are extremely extremely complicated and i do think that the movie does a good job of like laying the groundwork for keeping everything plausible right yeah you know you talked about the scene where they sleep together we have a lot of discussion about sex and what happens after sex and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and you have you've heard you know harry talk about this and you know the, the 30 seconds 30 seconds between 30 seconds and all night is your problem <laughs> i think is what he says to sally on the plane mm-hmm. um so you kind you know that these characters think about these things and have different reactions to things. You've been prepared for something like that to happen. So it's also not a movie that just that just expects you to buy everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's also done the groundwork. So I think it works on both levels, right? It's like not only does it feel like these are things that could plausibly have happened because they feel like things that real humans might do. But also you've had a lot of these two characters talking. So 
you have some ideas in your head about what they might be feeling at that time. It doesn't just happen. You have a background for, like, what will happen. And so for the vast majority of this movie, I think it does an absolutely fabulous job of of really just keeping things right in the sweet spot of believable but not too explained, interesting but not too outlandish. It's just it, – it rides this very perfect line for basically the whole film. Yeah. No, it, it, it definitely does. It's kind of funny because it, it also – so, like, the whole thing where he said, you know, his whole thing of, like, men and women can't be friends. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I've always been like, well, that's, like, bullshit. Like, of course they can. Like, I've had, I have tons of, like, male friends, right? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I, and it's like, I think in some ways this movie feels a bit old school, a little bit in the way it views, like, men and women and and relationships kind of a little bit to me but at the same time it feels like super authentic well i think it's true just period because it's not trying to tell you that everyone is like harry or everyone is like sally right um it's just trying to be like these are these people right because this is this is what harry thinks yeah and it's not what every man thinks exactly it's what this guy thinks i mean there's good there's gay dudes presumably in the world of Harry Met Sally. Right. Who are not going to be thinking of sleeping with a <laughs> right, woman, right? right? Exactly, so he's exactly. not talking about like literally everyone right, with he, a Y chromosome. Yeah. This is just Harry's simplified worldview, which he's all about. Like he always has these little pithy like wrap ups yes. for incredibly complicated things that are multifaceted. He's just like, no, it's this. Right. right it's, and right. it's very simple. Well, like, and I think, I think when I said before, I was like, he's, He's got this, like, block on where he views their relationship in one way. That's sort of what I was saying, where it's, like, in his head, he has, like, this idea about what a relationship with a woman is, right? And I think Sally kind of challenges that for him. I think the sort of friendship and that depth of relation of their relationship that comes with that deep friendship is not something he's had with a woman before. And I think, I think like... Because he has this weird block in his head, he has this image of what a, a relationship with a woman's supposed to be like. That's, I, I think, very, like, sex-forward, right? It's very much about, like, that sort of physical thing. Which um, that it, I think, I think yeah. he's sort of, he's, he's kind of, like, confused himself. Or he's, he's led himself to believe things about what he's looking for in a relationship that aren't actually true. I mean, maybe. But again, I don't really know. Because he was married to Helen. You know, he wasn't, like, cheating on her or anything. No, and he was obviously very hurt um, by by the divorce. Yes, and so, like, I don't know. I mean, again, this is why I think this is just a really great movie. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily an explanation for it. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But the other thing that I think could be a very legitimate way to take a lot of those things he says is those are just his, like, ra- comfort rationalizations. Yeah. He doesn't really believe them. For all we know. Right, 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 right. He just says these things because that's how his brain works. Like he likes to come up. He's very he's very talkative like that and he likes to summarize like mm-hmm. that. Um he's almost he, he kind of is almost like a Woody Allen kind of character like yeah. that. He he you know, he's obviously very smart too, mm-hmm. uh, like a Woody Allen character would be. Coming up with all these things doesn't necessarily mean they're true, right? I don't the where he kind of parts ways from the typical Woody Allen picture is like he doesn't feel correct. He, 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 right? The things he's saying sound 
uh, half and half. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you're not sure who he's trying to convince, right? I'm trying to think of who else is a character like that. Uh, it's, it, you know... It's not really like a Marx Brothers kind of thing, like no. a Groucho Marx or anything, no. but it's it's that same idea. Like he has all these little sayings and these little ideas, right, that every conversation he gets one in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't get the same sense from those other analogs I might uh, analogize them to. It, it doesn't quite feel like they're supposed to be true. Aaron Sorkin characters might be another example of that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, he's a very talky guy. I mean, it's a very talky movie right it's yes. a very writery movie and uh it's it's genuinely laugh out loud funny absolutely many times like there's many times where we were laughing during this movie all of the scenes this is sort of a separate thing are set up as if they have like punchlines to them too which is really nice so like one of m- one of my absolute favorite ones is the one where uh they're they go on this double date yeah oh where God, Har- date. i mean it's just brilliant yeah it, the the whole thing is funny, but then it ends. It's just like laugh out loud funny the way it ends. But you know, Harry and Sally are taking their two friends uh, to to try and hook them up. Yeah, right, crosswise, so that the the friend will go with Sally and the friend will go with Harry, not to have the two friends hook up. Right, right, because that's like not the goal. So the, this is supposed to be an everyone wins scenario, right? right? right. Uh, where, you know, they both were like, oh, well, I got a friend I can hook up you up with and you've got a friend you hook me up with kind of thing. And the dinner goes horribly. And again, this is why I say this movie is so good at these awkward things. Like, the dinner feels exactly like a dinner. They're trying to make small talk. And you can kind of see, and like... It's like, it fizzles out. It fizzles out. But it fizzles out in a different way for every person. Yeah. And this is why I just love this movie. It does so much work to individualize these characters. Harry is trying really hard because that's who... He's very loquacious, right? He's trying very hard to interact with... Uh, what was, is her name Joan? Uh, I don't... Uh, Carrie Fisher's character. Carrie Fisher's I don't, character. I don't I remember, remember the name. name. Yeah, I don't um, remember the name. But he's trying very hard to interact with, with her. I'll use the, the people's name. So so <laughs> Billy Crystal is trying <laughs> yeah. very hard to interact with Carrie Fisher. Yes. Right? And Bruno Kirby is not very, like, charming. He's just kind of blunt. And so he's not trying very hard to interact with Meg Ryan, who is trying to be very polite but kind of just gets put off by this. Mm-hmm. Right? The All of these sort of interactions are happening at the table, and they feel exactly right. Uh, and then you kind of get that moment when uh, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher connect. And that's hilarious because he's a writer and his his like catchphrases are so bad. Uh, pesto is the quiche of the 80s or whatever. <laughs> right. Like and, you know, you're like, yes, that is a New York magazine writer. Like that's exactly the kind of crap you see in these articles. So he told she uh, Nora Ephraim totally nailed that. Right. Anyway, so that whole scene is fantastic, and you're really enjoying watching it. But then, like, the punchline of it is so brilliant. They're walking back, and they each step aside. uh, So they kind of, like, get a little time for the two guys to talk and the two girls to talk. And both Harry and Sally both try to convince the other person just like, you know, wait a little while because they're worried about the other person's right, feelings, which right. is charming, right? And it 
it helps build Harry and Sally's relationship. You, yeah. you like to see them care they're for st- each well, other. Well, they're, they're thinking about the other person. They're, th- right? they're, they're, not, they're not acting selfishly. They're acting, they're, they're acting very selflessly. They don't care. They're like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I, I wasn't that interested in the girl. Anyway, you know, you, you go ahead and ask her out, but just, you know, wait a while. And then Bruno Kirby and, and Carrie Fisher are like, like are like oh of course right yeah, I mean yeah. I would never do something like that I mean I uh, you know yeah and then immediately when they come back they're like well I'm just gonna catch cat and it was like I'll go with you yeah <laughs> and and Bruno Kirk goes great and they get and, they the just, and it's like it's just hilarious it's, it's so, so good. good I do think yeah like you can think about so many scenes in this movie where there is like a punchline like the the scene with the table with the wagon wheel in it yes and like at the end he's like don't say a word he's carrying the wagon wheel out yeah it's just. It's so funny, and it's got so many uh, really classic movie, you know, things that became famous that everyone knows, like the "I'll have what she's having." So I had, unsurprisingly, I have a complaint about this movie, mm-hmm. and that's the complaint. I I think that scene's terrible. Really, it's like one of the most iconic scenes from this movie, and I think it was an absolutely terrible idea, and doesn't fit in this picture at all. Is it? That's interesting. Is it because you feel like it's out of character? Absolutely, okay. Sally in every scene in this movie, is a very conscientious person who doesn't like to disturb people around her. If she's interacting with a service person, she's very demanding, but she, like, is not loud. She's not boisterous. She doesn't like the attention. Even the first scene, we see them go into the diner uh, together at the beginning of the movie. She says something loud accidentally, and is like mortified and immediately quiets down and like walks towards her. Her personality would never do that scene. Hmm. There is no indication in this movie anywhere that she would ever do something like that. Hmm. So I found that to be just a terrible scene. I strongly dislike that scene. Um, I understand why they put it in there because they liked the gag, but I think it was just it was awful. I mean, I will say it's it's also one of the scenes in the movie that's the most like absurd most people would never do that in real life it's a it's a very like movie scene kind I mean, of scene there are character there are people or characters who would do something like that yeah in the real world uh they are not her right right and they're rare it's, it, well, that's why I say, it's a very specific person who will do that well and as we've talked about so much of the character stuff in this movie feels so sort of authentic and genuine and relatable kind of and uh i think i agree i mean i see what you're saying about that scene i mean i it did it, it doesn't bother me although at the same time i suppose it's hard to know you know because i i did not see this movie way back when it came out right i saw this movie for the first time probably a few years ago and so i was like aware of that scene because everyone's aware of that scene right and so probably it's a little hard to look at this movie without sort of that in your head that like oh this is that really famous scene and it is genuinely like if you just take it as a scene right separate from the rest of the movie it's like it's kind of hilarious right i mean it's it's not really i mean i think it's hilarious it's the punchline the first time yeah so the first time you see that film this film yeah and you see that scene you probably laugh when you're in the theater because it's kind of like uncomfortable at first, and then there's like a punchline at the end you're not expecting necessarily. Yeah, I mean, the, it's the punchline. Right? It's the punchline that's that's what makes it classic. But unlike the rest of this movie, when you see it the second time, it's not funny at all because you know what's happening. It's true, and yeah. it just goes by, and that's why I say to me it sticks out like a th- sore thumb in this movie because other than that scene, 
every other scene in this movie is engrossing and funny every time. And yeah. that one's not. It's really but, just yeah. a drag. And so to me, like, the better version of this movie just doesn't have that scene. That's, you know, it just I, doesn't have it. That's a good point, too, because I, I, I definitely feel like I laughed a lot during this movie. I did not laugh at that scene. It's not funny. It's it's only it's only uncomfortable surprise funny, right? It's more it's like Borat. That's what that scene is. It's a Borat scene, and if you watch a Borat scene twenty times, you're not interested in it the twentieth time. Mm-hmm. You're only interested in the first time because mm-hmm. once you kind of just get over the initial uncomfortableness right. of it, there's not really anything in there. The rest of this movie is just kind of like infinitely relatable. It's like that's what makes this film so great. It's immersive. You really feel like you're there and it's not a documentary people aren't behaving exactly the way real people behave but it does create that that right abstraction that like right level of caricature that allows a movie to feel like real life to you even though it's not right it's right in that sweet spot and it's super relatable like i think you just said relatable even though you know no individual person in this movie, their situation, will anyone else's right. individual personal situation line up with exactly, right? But there's enough moments and, and relationship things in there that it, it just, you kind of just are like, yeah, like, I get it. Like, I, I, I know, I understand what they're, what they're feeling. And, you know, how many times have I seen the, the I don't know what it's called, win, lose, or draw. I don't know what the home game version is. Uh, it's like, Sort of like a Pictionary game, but it's up on the board, you know. I think it's called Win, Lose, or Draw oh, was okay. the name of that game. Where, you know, you pick a card, in this case said Baby Talk, mm-hmm. and you have to draw the thing, right? I mean, I've seen that scene, I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. <laughs> I've seen this movie like eight or nine times, yeah. so I've seen it a lot of times. Okay. Every time, Bruno Kirby, like, going like, uh, uh, what, what was this, <laughs> what's the thing that he says? He's yelling out these yeah, terms, random. baby fish mouth, baby right? Fish. He yells, baby fish mouth. And then later on, he's like, baby talk, what's that? That's not a saying. And <laughs> Billy Crystal's like, oh, but baby fish mouth is sweeping yeah. the nation, right? Those things just, they crack me up. And they feel it's always funny. And it feels it, it feels so much like friends hanging out yes. and and like being goofy and silly together. And the other thing too is like And Bruno Kirby's character yeah. is he's always kind of sour like that. They gave the line to the right guy. You could have flipped those mm-hmm. two and it wouldn't have felt right if if Bruno Kirby had said it to Billy Crystal, which honestly might have made more sense because Bruno Kirby's a writer, so he might be more likely to know baby talk than Billy Crystal would, right? But they got the sense right, and so you know, it was just kind of nice. The other thing that's interesting, too, is the, the way they managed to get chemistry right in this movie between people. Um, like, mm-hmm. one thing I've often complained about, well, I don't know if I've complained about it on the podcast, but in my own mind, about a lot of, like, romances in in stories in general is, like, a lot of times romances are a man and a woman are, like, in a room together and then they just, like, fall in love, right? right. Because they're, yeah. like, that's the guy in the story and that's the girl in the story. So, you so know. So the movie can happen. But this movie's, like, gets the chemistry that like you you see why these two people connect and you see why two people don't right like you see why they're they don't connect with the friends right yes um and like there's a great scene where they're in the uh the met in like the egypt area and uh 
they're like doing like a silly voice thing, right? Where they're like talking back and forth to each other in like these silly voices. Not an actual thing in the screenplay was my understanding. Billy Crystal was just doing that and they happened to be rolling. Interesting. I want to say it was completely. Well, and but that, I, I, I believe that's trivia about the movie is that it was not written. Well, but that <laughs> that feels like such an authentic like thing that you would do in a relationship with someone, right? Where it's like. A lot of the time you're just being silly together and doing like weird stuff that any onlooker would be like, what is going on here? But it's like everybody that's that's how relationships are. Right. Like that's that's the chemistry. Right. Where you can just be silly. Well, and I don't know if this is one of the things that makes this movie work so well. Also, because I guess I was trying to identify like what was going on that makes this one work. And the other ones to me don't the other norepherine movies. So some of it may just be that when you pair Meg Ryan with somebody, she's a you know she's like the straight man, right? Mm-hmm. She's she's very like earnest. She looks like she's responding honestly to things, and you know somewhat straightforward. But you know her character usually has some a few oddities to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, pretty much the straight man. And, you know, when you pair her later with, like, Tom Hanks or whatever, you know, Tom Hanks just isn't that weird. He can do that sort of stuff, but he's not that kind of, If like, I remember correctly, in Sleepless in Seattle, he's a pretty serious guy in that movie, isn't he? He's, not, like, a pretty sad kind of serious character. Yeah, and they don't, you know, I mean, David S. Pumpkins is very silly. Oh, yeah, it's it's so, not about Tom Hanks' like, acting ability. It's so about the character. So maybe Tom Hanks could yeah. do it. yeah. I don't really know if he can do the same thing as Billy Crystal because Billy Crystal is weird. Like he well, has a very specific Billy thing. Crystal is just like effortless, effortlessly Nutty. funny and yeah. and strange and charismatic and and like he's great in this movie. He's so perfect for this role because he's not he's not like a classically handsome guy, right? But it's he's he's charismatic. Well, and he also like I earlier said like a Woody Allen character, and I, I meant that really only in the dialogue sense because Billy Crystal also just sells it way better. Like then, Woody Allen does right. He just yeah. sells it way better. Yeah, uh, and he feels like an actual person, not like a caricature of a person. And maybe it's because he was a stand-up comedian. He's just got a really natural delivery. He knows how to work people. You know, he has that sort of presence. And so when he's doing it, it feels a lot better than one of those characters normally does. Right. And I can't think. I'm trying to think if there's other examples of this character, but. Um, of you know, because there are characters that have those that sort of um, coming up with these weird constructions about reality that they say all the time. Mm-hmm. They're usually not so believable. Like like Billy Crystal just does a much better job here. Is all I can say. And mm-hmm. I I can't really think of who else maybe has ever done a good job. I can't think of someone who's done as this good a job. And I might just be blanking. There's probably. On it. Do you mean exa- at at being funny, but also at at the kind of the reason I go to Woody Allen is because he had that same way of he would explain life specifically. Mm-hmm. Like he's like he would say that those things like men and women can't be friends because like that's a very like Woody Allen film early like kind of perspective yeah. on things. Yeah, yeah. And there's not that many people who do that sort of thing. Like there's not that many people who have characters that are saying those sorts of things. Aaron Sorkin, I kind of said because they all are kind of smart that way, but they don't really philosophize quite to the same degree. 
Um, I feel like it's kind of Billy Crystal's character comes across as sort of like the everyman's philosopher, right? Like he's not yeah. like highly intellectual or something, but he has a lot of thoughts about the way that Pet theories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Vince Vaughn might be another example of someone who does this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And again, like Vince Vaughn is great. Uh, if you've ever seen him in like uh, Made or The Breakup, uh, he does this fantastically well, too. In fact, I think that's who be the person to go to. He does it great, but he does it differently. It's not so it's not sweet and endearing. It's more kind of hard edged. Mm hmm. Uh, and it's great. Yeah. it's great, but it's different, right? Woody Allen's a little more endearing, but n- so neither of them again are doing what Billy Crystal's doing. It, I think it really is just kind of singular because, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad I thought of Vince Vaughn because I was like, yeah, he does do that. I mean, I'm sure there are probably a handful of other people in a, in a few in some other movies that are are similar, but I do think like one of the reasons that this movie sort of stands the test of time and is considered such a classic, is because there is something pretty special going on there, I think, yes. with the performance and the writing c- coming together um, to create a really memorable character. Or couple, you know, I-, I do think Meg Ryan is fine in this movie. I think, in general, she's kind of like a samey actress. Yes. Um, Billy Crystal is really sort of the the person here who is making this movie special i think that the casting of him was just like perfect it, it, it's hard to imagine it working very well if he wasn't here because like i said i can't the i was struggling to come up with any other actor who does this mm-hmm. and that's not to say that other people you know, you know maybe if you cast a great actor in this role they would figure it out and do it this way even though that's not what they normally do well, or I think something the, i think but grab, if daniel day lewis was cast <laughs> maybe he would do this well, he, I think, you know but in terms of what we've what they typically do casting someone from the more of the comedy world to play a role like this was obviously the right choice yeah. um and this has happened a lot there's a lot of people who are start out as comedians and then end up doing acting and turns out they're there's like a huge they have a great depth i mean like a robin williams or someone right um yeah where yeah. it's it's i think a lot of times it's harder to go the other way it's hard to go like straight man to comedy it's it, it, there's a lot of people who are very good at comedy who then turns out are great dramatic actors too and uh i think it just works really well i and i do give a lot of credit to the dialogue writing um, yeah, it's great. I mean, again, it's for just whatever great. reason, I don't know if that's all Nora Ephron or if that's Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner, because like I said, it doesn't seem to really last. This is uh, like, yeah, to be honest, I'm guessing Billy Crystal is also. I mean, you just said he improvised a scene. I mean, he, I, I I would be surprised if there wasn't a little bit of Billy Crystal like inserted in this movie as well. I'm sure that's true, and I'm sure that was important, but I mean just in the broader sense. Yeah. So, like for example, there is a scene. Where uh, the the two characters, because this movie is all about having these like parallels and a lot of the scenes when Harry and Sally after. So after um, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. Uh, Carrie Fisher come into the plot sort of more mainstream. You know, they're always kind of like on the fringes. There's a lot of parallel scenes. So like whenever they end up having like guys in one area girls in another they have a, a scene like i was saying when they when harry and sally both try to convince them not to go home together that night mm-hmm. and then they immediately do or whatever so there's another one of those after the win loser draw where they're with baby fishmouth and 
there's an interaction between Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby, and it's like, oh yeah, we Sally's new boyfriend. Like we went to this Mets game with him, and he was great. And then like Billy Crystal's like, wait, you guys went to a Mets game? Like, are you without me? And Bruno Kirby was like, oh, oh it was a last minute thing or whatever. You know, again, that's just. They captured the awkwardness of a real interaction between people, and they got it exactly right. And that's a writing thing. Like, I don't think Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby spontaneously decided to do something like that. No, no. So so I do give credit in the screenplay. And again, I don't know why later Nora Ephron stuff is lousy if it's just that she was going past her experience for those other ones and and you could feel it, or if it was that... In this movie, there was more back and forth with Rob Reiner, so things got worked out better. I don't know. All I know is those things are great, and that's a screenplay thing, not an acting thing. Yeah. I also do think there's just chemistry between the actors, too, which is something that, you know, you can have a really good script, and then if the if the chemistry isn't working, and, and not just between Harry and Sally, but, like, all, you know, that group of friends, especially that group of four, right? Or, you know, in the earlier relationships... Like uh, with uh, with Sally and was it Joe? Her previous Joe is the the, the guy that guy she, at the wait, airport. With. The airport guy, airport guy, who then later calls and says he's getting married. Correct. Um, and like in that relationship, you feel the lack of chemistry, right? You can you can mm-hmm. feel that it doesn't like click, that it doesn't work. Yes. Um, and like all of that's really good too. Yes. Um, and it's in. I'm assuming that's also you know in the writing because it's. How do you how do you how do you portray lack of chemistry, right? Just awkwardness. Well, that part is definitely like everybody, right? Like the screenplay had to have it in the there. Actors, the director yep. has to know, like get it, like, okay, he has to tell the actors, here's like how this is supposed to play out, and then the actors have to do it. So that's the whole movie making process, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't, well, need, casting, you don't you're, need the lighting well, to be right. Well, when you're casting, but, yeah. right, when you're casting for like Joe or whatever, you're like, let's cast, we got to try to find somebody who like, it just doesn't quite click with right so yeah i don't know i mean i don't know there's much more to say billy crystal obviously very important to this film like you said yeah i uh, and i don't know how important meg ryan is she's somewhat important though because you know you, again well, like you say chemi- the, the, chemistry the interplay is, is important the chemistry is not a one-way it's exactly. a two-way kind of street and and they both it's working like you believe their their relationship it feels like authentic yes and, you know, it's just I, I think it is a great screenplay. Yeah. I don't know why later ones weren't, um, but that's just how it is. They were certainly popular. Everyone loved you know, Sleepless in Seattle, but I didn't think it was very good. Um, there's one more thing we <clears> could <throat> mention with this movie, which is a, a, the the interesting choice to intersperse it with these couples talking about how yes. they met. And they're they're individually, they're all kind of funny because they uh, they're all different yes they're they just across the spectrum of like all the different ways that a relationship can start yes um and it's just it's kind of a it's an interesting choice like it's an interesting thing to like structure the movie sort of it's not like the movie structured around it right but it's like it, it it ends with that with the with harry and sally right them being sort of a part of whatever this like little documentary thing is well i mean it's really brilliant work in my opinion because it it does specific things and it does them very well so what those are is they're basically a way to cover for acts of the film so you can go from one to the other we have a lot of big time jumps in we do and so it's a way to say all right 
if two pieces of this film, if we want you to feel more separation between them, because sometimes they can just they just put up a thing that's like, you know, five years later right. or whatever. Right. So if we don't want you to feel like there's a big break between them, we don't have to. But when we do, we can use this interstitial. Right. It's like yeah. a, it's like the curtain comes down and then it goes back up again. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's great. It's a really great thing. Um, almost, you know, Tampopo-esque in yes. a way. It has that yeah. same feeling of we developed a device that allows us to tell some unrelated stories in the context of this film that feels natural, well, even they, though it is not. And they support the idea of the whole story. It's, I mean, the movie's called When Harry Met Sally, right? It's about how relationships begin and that and, messy process. And that there is no one recipe yes. for a couple that stays together a long time. Yep. Some of them have been divorced like four times yeah. or whatever. Some of them, Some never, of them never met before they were married. Like the guy, the guy who goes to the village exactly. to like look at her, you know. Uh, some of them are like childhood sweethearts and just get together, right? And so it it also is doing real work for the story saying, hey, we don't know what this, like what the magic formula is. It, it, it's really hard to say. It's just in sort of almost innate to a pair of humans that they will stay together get together and then stay together and we're sort of saying Harry and Sally are one of those at the end that's what we say Mm -hmm. but you know we don't know that we're wondering that the whole time Mm -hmm. in a way right Mm -hmm. and it's just it's fantastic work again don't know whose idea it was don't know whether it was in the original screenplay or not because there were when I remember when I looked at this a while back there are just things that were like like I said, like I think that one at the at the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art was that mm-hmm. where that was. Um, I think that was ad libbed by Billy Crystal. So I don't know which things were like came they came up with while filming versus which things are in the screenplay. But either way, it's just a great idea. Uh, and they also just like Tampopo managed to make each one be really fun. In its own right. Yep. Because they kept having all these like fun characters. There's like the one where the woman does all the talking and the guy just says, I'm Ben Small of the Coney Island Smalls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, there's the one where they're, they're both talking over each other. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's the one where like, you know, the, the woman says nothing like the, the Japanese couple. I don't think she says a single mm-hmm. word. Uh, and so, you know, they just got all these different sort of like fun feeling interactions between these people. Uh, and you could almost kind of like imagine their relationship because you could see the way that they mm-hmm. interacted mm-hmm. with each other. I love the lady on the Ben, on the Ben Small, the class. I love it when the lady says, I knew the way you knew a good melon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they just, yeah, again, just really great work. Uh, yeah. And it it's a perfect addition to this movie. It's great. Yeah. When Harry Masali, great film. Loved it. So I guess, are we good? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't really have any complaints with me except that one scene. Yeah. Which just didn't feel like it should be in this movie. But it's just, it's a um, great, it's a great movie. It's like the, that's it, yeah. the best example of that rom-com. It's not bucket. a rom-com. I'm just saying there's a lot of movies that are trying to do the When Harry Met Sally thing. And not, I don't think they are. Really? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I actually haven't seen very many rom-coms. I really don't think they are, there are. Um, because the reason I say that is because, to me, When Harry Met Sally feels more like a novel. 
the ending is the only thing that makes it feel like a rom-com to me. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't feel like a rom-com because the emphasis isn't on the romance. It mm. really isn't. It, like every scene is an interesting scene about people. Mm-hmm. And it's about it's about relationships in general and just people and, people. and, and, and how and the, they and interact the, and the individual characters. Yeah. And so to me, you could have just cut out the part where, you know, he at the end where he goes to the New Year's party and it's still a great movie. And that's not how rom-coms work. Like there really aren't a lot of rom-coms where you can do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the idea that these two people get in get together at the end and live happily ever after is like an important part of a rom-com. It's rare to find one where you remove it and it's still a, a really good movie. And that's why I don't think this really fits well, you that know, mold. It's, it's actually funny because you could imagine a version of this movie where they decide not to get together yes. and it's just as good. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And there are occasionally, I mentioned, you know, it's, it's funny that I, I thought of Vince Vaughn um, having that same sort of thing where he like over explains stuff that happens like the Billy Crystal character in this one. But Vince Vaughn is in a romantic comedy, uh, quote unquote, called The Breakup. And spoiler warning, that sort of is how that movie works. And it's a very interesting movie. Um, Probably should have been on this month. Maybe we'll sneak it in. uh, We can. Well, people have already voted, but I. So here's the thing with this month. No, I meant sneak it in like in between two of them. Oh, do an extra episode. Do you see the motion I'm doing with my fingers where I'm getting it in between? You want to do an extra? Because, like, here's the thing with Rom-Com Month. Yeah. Because originally the list was four movies that were very much, like, rom-coms. Like, Uh, 80s, 90s era stuff. And I just felt like, you know, for the movie club, I like to try to curate, like, a a series of of movies that aren't all identical. Or not identical. But you know what I mean? Like, to keep it interesting, to keep the movies, like circled around a loose theme but at least every week you have something kind of different to watch so this month i you know rom-com was like a loose ah. category so i cho- i decided i decided not to choose like four movies of the classic sort of rom-com type the breakup should go in here maybe we'll sneak it in if we can if we've got time we um, can because, try to do yeah, it it's a very atypical rom-com in that way uh and it it is an example of choosing not to do mm-hmm. the stereotypical thing with the movie. We, if we get to the breakup, we can, we'll see if we can squeeze it in, but probably we won't. But we'll see. Wow. <laughs> we, I love that optimism. That optimism. Well, maybe we will. I love that can-do attitude. Can-do attitude from from Brett Berg. Hey, man, you should have had a say. You should have had a say in picking the the, the four I movies. I almost did. I almost said like, "Hey, can we get the breakup in there?" You but did? you know, really? I felt like I felt like I felt like. Um, yeah, because I wasn't thinking about the Vince Vaughn connection at all because I hadn't been thinking till I watched When Harry Met Sally again. I wasn't thinking like, oh, he's doing this thing that isn't very common. Like Woody Allen was an obvious one and I couldn't think of another one. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, Vince Vaughn does that thing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's rare. You could also say like Quentin Tarantino's characters will often do this thing. It's kind of like philosophize. They philosoph- yeah. yeah, but but. Not in the same way, no. right? But Vince Vaughn is close. He just it's it's he has a a cynical. Tone. I don't know that I've ever actually seen um, a movie. I really with like Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah. I do, but well, kind of like Billy Crystal, he kind of only does that one thing. Like Billy Crystal isn't like a really broad actor in my Mike opinion, Wazowski, right? man, is <laughs> kind of like this character. Yeah, he is right? actually. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? He he's more neurotic. So I hadn't but, thought about the yeah. the fact that Vince Vaughn is kind of a different side to the same coin that Billy Crystal's doing here. But 
Um, I was thinking of it because I was like, it's an interesting rom-com. It doesn't go the way you expect, right? And mm-hmm. that's what I thought was interesting about the breakup. I uh, Because you don't see it that often. Because who's going to make that movie? Usually when people want to make a movie about people not getting together, it's more of a drama. And so the breakup is more like a rom-com. Kind of like when Harry met Sally in a way, it's not as good. Uh, because, I mean, I don't think it's possible to quite get there. Like when Harry met Sally is really good, right? But it's a good film. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it does. It decides to not go the way you think that mm-hmm. a rom-com would go when you go. I mean, it's it's Jennifer Aniston is in it, right? So you're thinking like, oh, this is like, you know, typical mm-hmm. romantic comedy. That's we're just doing the thing. Same as it's just like having Meg Ryan in it, right? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing, just for a different era. Um, the nice girl is in that role. So they're going to get together in the end. It's like, nope. So, you know, I think it's worth maybe squeezing it in there. Maybe. We can try. We can try. Let's see. So the current schedule. The, the, the current yeah, what's the schedule? Uh, is. So next week we're going to do Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, um, I like that director. didn't like that movie. Um, seen it but we'll see. Maybe I'll like out. it better this time. And then we're going to do The Lobster. Love that movie. Like, Love that director and that movie. I know. I, I I was like, it's you know, it's it's definitely sort of a romantic comedy. The the comedy though is very dark. It's not this kind of comedy. It is a romantic dark comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're gonna finish up with the Philadelphia story, which is a Oof. real real old movie. But it's like, I mean, if you're talking like OG rom coms, you know, it's it's on the list. That one's good. We'll see. I've never seen that. I know specific you, you struggle. One. You struggle with Jimmy Stewart. So. Uh. I've seen the Cary Grant ones. I've seen Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House. <laughs> I've seen Bringing Up Baby, for example. Okay. So I've seen ones in that era. I just felt like it was, you and know. They're I, awful. I like to get, look, look, in the movie club, yeah. I like to get a range. I yep. like to get a range of time periods, a range yep. of styles, a range yep. of tones. And so that's what we're doing for well, this month. I'm not here to love every movie because I often don't. Yeah. So that's totally fine. Not not a knock on the curation. I was just saying I got to get my stomach ready for that one. <laughs> so right. and then if we can fit the breakup in, maybe we'll squeeze it in. We'll yeah. see. Thanks for joining us for the first week of Romantic Comedies Month. Uh, this was actually a free episode. So if you are a free subscriber and you enjoyed listening, uh, consider subscribing. And you absolutely you could. can listen to the rest of our uh, growing library. We're up to quite if a few movies now. If there's a film now. worth watching, we have covered it or will cover it. That's right. So, and it's quite a few that aren't worth watching. That's true. Yeah, you can skip those, I guess. And I'll tell you about those. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. you will. At some point, there was also a, a recommendation uh, that that uh, someone on the movie club comments wanted me to um, complain about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Or just Marvel. We should, you know, uh, honestly, there should probably be like a superhero movies month. There could be, uh, but they specifically wanted me to complain about them. So they were asking me... Well, but to be, to be honest, to be fair, like, if we do a superhero movies month, you will complain about them. Yes, but, I mean, when we did Batman, for example, mm-hmm. I only half complained about it because I think that's a pretty good film in some ways. We did Batman, uh, the, the Batman. Return, uh, Returns. Oh we, did, oh, we did The Batman and Batman Returns. Yeah, Batman Returns. So not, I don't dislike all superhero movies. I thought the Tim Burton ones had some really interesting things about them. Yeah, The Batman. You didn't hate completely hate The Batman either, though. I did. I just said the cinematography was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know. In in a way, it's not that dis- it was not that dissimilar to the Tim Burton one, I suppose, in that they both had a lot of strong visual things to recommend them. They just 
kind of fell apart when you actually looked at whether I was in a story. But the Tim Burton one was still better. So maybe we'll have to schedule that for the next month um, because, you know, if 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 people request complaining about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, who am I to... Uh, yeah, that would them. be an interesting one, too, because that's actually a movie that a lot of people really like and think the script is very good for. So I think hearing your uh, your complaints. Yeah, which is be, uh, stunning to me as well. I, I see a lot of uh, people, especially like people in the animation world who honestly, I think a lot of times don't know what good writing is. It's stunning to me that, that anyone movie... would watch Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse and think the screenplay was good, right? Yeah. Um, but again, then again, these days, I don't know where these screenplays are coming from because they seem to be so obviously bad all the time that I just I assume that people just don't look at that part of movies anymore they just kind of watch scenes and are like it's fine we're just we're going out of control here okay we will all right bring it on back yeah reel it in we will that and Lightyear though those are the two we're gonna do that and Lightyear we could just do a month that's like Casey Rant's month and you pick four movies that you want to rant about and well my thinking was a little bit different oh my thinking was I we start with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Lightyear, mm-hmm. both of which I thought had terrible screenplays. Lightyear much worse. Oh yeah, Lightyear is like on a different planet. Lightyear of is, worse. Uh, is like one Light, of it's one of the worst li- screenplays ever written. It's awful. Oh, it's really bad. So Into the Spider-Verse is not that bad. It's bad, but not that bad. Uh, I was thinking take those two, and then I would pick to go with them examples of movies that do the opposite thing so for example lightyear is a movie whose entire premise is completely impossible according to the rules that they themselves create for their universe so thinking i could pick a movie that does the opposite which is like very good at creating a series of interesting rules for their universe and carrying them to Why conclusion. Why don't you, right? yeah, like, let's just have this be and March. And then the same for Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, let's have this be March. You can, it can be a Casey Curates month. You pick, you Ooh. pick. Oh, I'm, I'm going hog wild now, oh, folks. I'm going hog wild. Oh, shit. All right. Okay, folks, well, oh, he's rubbing, rubbing hands his hands together. He's rubbing yeah. his hands together. <laughs> Where's my little, like, I need, I need one of the cats to pet. Yeah, yeah. Like, in that, in that like, Dr. Evil yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of way. All right. Well, that's March, I guess. But until then, we'll see you back here next week for another rom-com. Sounds good, folks. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye!